0: Let's open up to the book of Amos, that minor prophet who has pretty much a major message. Um, We looked last time um, where really he, he got his eyes off. He was talking about us. Really, it's not all about us. Get our eyes off ourselves because really what our default mode is that it's all about me. And then it affects every part of our lives, every part of our thinking. Even about the day of the Lord, they were looking forward to the day of the Lord, but it was more like, I'm all set, and I don't really care about anybody else. There's no urgency about the people around us like we've kind of felt and heard about this morning. Uh, the worship, uh, it's, the Lord says, I'm not, I, can't even, I can't even stand your worship. Why? Because it was all about themselves. It was, you know, um, me-centered, and, and the Lord said, seek me, seek him. And live, worship Him, and let our hearts find true reality. in that it was about their outreach and and thinking about outreach. Really, that was just complacent. They were complacent. They were at ease. They were self-indulgent. They they you know they took care of themselves and nobody else. And then the the last thing you mentioned was pride. You know. He, God just can't stand our pride because it's so stupid. It's so ridiculous. Who, who am I? It's who, who he is, is is what matters. It's all about him. The answer really is to love him and to love others. Today I want to talk about the plumb line as you've already seen up there and you go, well, what's a plumb line? Well, isn't that a kind of fruit <laughs> that you just pick from? I mean, you know, we, 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 have, we have to learn how to spell, right? Well, it has a B on the end, as you can see there. And, and uh, the definition, let me read you the definition. It's a tool that consists of a small, heavy object attached to a string or rope that is used especially to see if something such as a wall is perfectly vertical. It's important to know, perfectly vertical. And they're still used according to Bob Vila. <laughs> They're still used. Not as much, because uh, Alex told me today that people use lasers now. So, but it's, it's useful in establishing, again, the vertical, not the horizontal, but the vertical. And, and, and as you notice, probably, you know, we got a really, this is a official plum. You know, they call them plum bobs. Like, I don't know why. Probably because it bobs around a little bit. Or you could put it, in liquid, I read somewhere you could put it in liquid and that keeps it from moving around a little bit. But as you can see, it gives us a very clear vertical, what the vertical is, because of gravity and just the way it is, right? Uh, I have a level here somewhere, is back there somewhere, but this really kind of speaks about the vertical. The, we use the levels a lot. We use it for horizontal, but mostly vertical to keep things flat and that. But the vertical, and, and he's talking about the plumb line here in, these passage, in this passage here that we're going to look at today. We, we don't have that much time, so I'll make it, I'll make it uh, concise as I can, but he says that he sets up a plumb line, and, and the idea for me as I've, as I've been thinking about this is it's a it's vertical line. And what it is is basically it's a standard. This is the standard that we need. You know, if you're going to build a wall, it needs to be perfectly vertical, right? Cuz if it's not, what will happen? It's going to fall over eventually. I was thinking about the leaning tower of Pisa, right? Like they like their plumb bobs were broken or something when they built that thing and it's just amazing that the thing is still standing in fact they've had to through the years do stuff to try to keep it from falling over I would never go in that thing and I want to tell you right now don't go in that thing (laughs) I mean would you go into you know the what's that uh, what's that big tower in Paris would you go in the Eiffel Tower if it looked like this no, like crazy it's like something's not right the standards, somebody's got something wrong here it's not like lining up it's not true now Amos, just to remind you Amos is writing about 750, 760 somewhere in there, B.C. and I'm not afraid to say before Christ they've changed that, you know they say B.C.E. now which means before the common era. They, just take, they had to take Christ out of it, right? But I'm not afraid to say B.C. And what was I saying? <laughs> 760 years before Christ. So we had our 2014. So you're talking, you know, 2,770 some odd years that this was written, and yet it still applies today. You see, that's the thing about God's Word. It still has application today. We don't jettison it and we say, oh, that's old-fashioned. We can't, it doesn't have anything to do with today. That's our big, that's our number one mistake. That's our big mistake. This Word that God has given to us really is the, is the standard. It's, it's really, it, it gives us the vertical. And, and when I, again, think about the vertical, I'm thinking about from heaven down to us. You see, horizontal is man to man, right? And, and, and you know, it's good to be on the level. But you know what? Our standards, we can't get them from man to man. We need to get them from God. We need to get our standards from heaven. And the problem is when we, we use the standards of man, that's what we call humanism. Secular humanism where we make all the decisions. We make all the standards. And basically the standard is this. There is no standard. the The standard is this. If it's okay with you, then it's probably okay. I mean, there are some things that people still say, well, you know, it's wrong to do that. It's wrong to kill somebody, right? Murder to somebody, these kinds. of There's still some things that are, that are still, but, but when you think about where these things all came from, they came from heaven, right? There are some cultures, uh, you know, Often in some places, and maybe in times past, where they didn't even care about killing it. No big deal, you see. But the standard from heaven, the vertical, that's what we want to pay attention to. Paul said in 2 Timothy that all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The the Scripture, the Word of God is God-breathed. God God gave it to us. And when we veer from it, when we resist it, it's never, never good. Look at Amos chapter 7. Let's let's, uh, look here. He says in verse one, he said, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested. And just as the second crop was coming up, and when they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. And this will not happen, the Lord said. See, they had, they had gone away from the standard. They had veered from God's word. They were doing their own thing. And God said, listen, you're going to reap what you sow. It's going to come back. And that's true. You know, the New Testament says that God cannot be mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, he will also reap. We can't, you can't say, God, you're not going you, to get me on this one. This isn't going to happen because I've decided that this is what the standard is now. No, no. He decides what the standard is and we can't mock him. He can't be mocked. But notice what happens here in this, in this uh, situation. Amos interceded with the Almighty God. He said, Sovereign Lord, forgive. He, he prayed. We've been talking about prayer here this morning. He prayed and God did something. God, God answers prayer. It happens again in the next little section there, verses um, four to six. The same sort of thing happened. The, The Lord says that there was going to be judgment by fire. And in verse 5, Amos cries out, Sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. God answered prayer for those that interceded. Ezekiel uh, quotes the Lord and the Lord says, I looked for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. On behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. He's looking for somebody who would intercede and would pray. Maybe you don't like somebody. Maybe what they're doing is not good. But God's looking for someone who would intercede and pray. In that particular case, the Lord says, but I found none. Very sad. So Amos was a man of prayer too, and he prayed for the people. He prayed, and God answered But now we pick it up in verses 7 through 9 about the plumb line. It says, This is what he showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall that had been built true to plumb with a plumb line in his hand. And the Lord asked me, What do you see, Amos? A plumb line, I replied. And the Lord said, Look, I am setting a a plumb line among my people Israel, and I will spare them no longer said the standard is here, the standard is set, the standard doesn't change. The truth of, of the matter is, we talked uh, uh, in the first two chapters of Amos that, that there was a message for all, that the standard was that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We, we all are like leaning off, every single one of us. And, and, but yet the, the free gift of God is salvation that brings us in line because of who? Because of Jesus, because of what he's done. See, we're tested by His standard, not by our own. If I think I'm okay, I'm okay, you're okay, that's a bunch of nonsense. We need to know what He says. And He says, you know, we're lost. Isaiah said this, the Lord said, I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the plumb line. That's Isaiah twenty-eight seventeen. Righteousness would be the plumb line. And whose righteousness would that be? Would that be ours? Am I measured up against you? Well, if I measure it up against you, I'm going to be either you know, worse or better. And we do that. We measure ourselves. You know, well, I'm better than so-and-so. And then we meet someone else and go, gosh, they're better than me. And we, you know, we can never kind of find where we belong, where we fit in, but, but we, we measure ourselves by the Lord. The interesting thing I found when I found that verse was the verse just before it, Isaiah 28, 16, and, and we don't have time to turn to all these verses, so I'll quote them. But just before it, it says this. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested so- a stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation, the one who trusts will never be dismayed. He says that he he says that he's laid a cornerstone in Zion. And again, the cornerstone, and, and it's also, you know, they talk about a capstone, but these stones are really kind of to, to give a starting point of where the measurements are going to be from. Peter quotes that verse in 1 uh, Peter 2 and he says that He says, he's talking about Jesus. He says, it's Jesus, that cornerstone, that capstone. The stone the builders rejected, he says, has become the capstone. It's Jesus. Jesus came and he showed us, well, what is the standard? What is the, you know, what do we have to measure up to? He said, well, I don't, I can't see God, so I have no idea. But they saw Jesus and and we, we know what the standard is. He was sinless. He was perfect. He never did anything wrong. He was the sinless son of God, the Lamb. I want you to turn with me to Zechariah. We can turn to that one because it's just a few books ahead. Zechariah chapter 4, verses 6 and following. Zechariah. Not Zephaniah, but Zechariah chapter 4. And uh, starting in verse 6, this is a powerful verse. Again, kind of see this as the context of when we get down to verse 10. Uh, verse 6, he says, So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You know, in this whole context of the measurement and the plumb the plum line, it's not by our own strength. It's by his spirit says the Lord. He says, What are you, O mighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. And then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me to you. Look at verse 10. Who despises the day of small things? Men will rejoice when they see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. Men will rejoice the day of small things You say, you know what? Well, I'm, I'm completely out of line. I'm completely out of whack. Well, maybe it's just a small thing. Don't despise the day of small things when God wants to do something and, and, and do something maybe so small, but, but it could affect the rest of your life. You know. I find, you know, I get overwhelmed by projects because they're just too big. But if I can like look at one little tiny grain of that project and say, well, I can do that. And then I can do the next little grain and, and eventually, you know, something gets done. But, but don't despise a day of small things. The plumb line is, is for us is in the hands of Jesus and he says, this is what the standard is. But you know what? Not by your might, not by your strength, Not by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. Interestingly enough, um, turning back to the book of Amos, is that he he brought these messages to these people. And sure enough, verses 10 through 17 in chapter 7, says that, that they began to attack him. The priest, it says in verse 10, Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent a message to Jeroboam, king of Israel. Amos is raising a conspiracy against you in the very heart of Israel. The land cannot bear all his words. So what they did now was they attacked the messenger. Why? Because he was telling them the truth. Because he was telling them that there is a plumb line and it's in God's standard that that we're, you know, we've gone away from God's plan. We veered off, we're doing our own thing. So, so they began to attack him. And that, that is always the truth. If, you, if you're going to speak out for what God says, they're not always going to be your best friend. Now, it doesn't mean we need to stand on the corner and, and you know, rail on everybody. But, but you know, if, if someone asks, well, the truth is, this is what the Bible declares. This is not my idea. This is what the Bible declares and an interesting piece of information for you is as you know the word canon c a n o n canon not two ends in the middle that's something else canon c a n o n that's you know they talk about the canon of scripture when the when the canon of scripture was brought together and 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 basically uh, People didn't decide what was going to be in the canon of Scripture, the group, the, what we call the Old and New Testament. They simply, the, the principle was this, that they acknowledged what was ordained, what was God-breathed, what was inspired, what was anointed. Those, in those books, they were brought together to become the canon, what's called the canon of Holy Scripture, right? So having said all that, what does the word canon mean? Um... Let me find that little scrap of paper I had. I wrote it down. Let's see. What the actual word means is measuring rod and rule. Isn't that interesting? It's what we measure by. The canon. That's interesting. Think about that. We're talking about God's word here. That's why we teach God's word. That's why we we, uh, believe in it. That's why we we, uh, focus on it. So they began to attack the messenger. They told him to get out. They told him to go back home to Judah because he was up in Israel and he was from the land of Judah. And Amos basically says, you know what, I did not ask for this job. We talked about that when we talked about the person of Amos. He says, the Lord took me from, you know, watching the sheep and taking care of the fig trees and all that. He took me from all that and he said, go and I want you to bring the message to the nation of Israel. So basically, Amos is saying this, that, you know, if you have a problem with what I'm telling you, well, take it up with God. Don't take it up with me. And then he ran home. Right? No, he didn't run home. (laughs) He stayed and he gave them the message anyways. They said, go home. Get out of here. We don't want to hear what you have to say. He said, well... You know, it's not my word, it's not my message, it's God's word, okay? So, but I've got to tell it to you anyways, because otherwise I'm going to be disobedient, and then, and then they're going to start calling me Jonah. So he gave him the word, and he, basically his word is that if you reject the Lord and, and you do your own thing, you're going to reap the consequences. Look at Amos chapter 8, verse 1. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me, a basket of ripe fruit. What do you see, Amos? He asked, a basket of ripe fruit, I answered. Then the Lord said to me, the time is ripe for my people Israel. I will spare them no longer. Whoa. Got to a point where the fruit was ripe. You know, you you buy fruit, you know, and you, you try to buy it at just the right time so it'll be not too ripe, but you bring it home and those bananas are the worst. You know, you get them home and like the next day they're all like black and you're like, whoa. I can't even eat these things. I'm gonna have to make banana bread or something. You can't make lemonade. Mm-hmm. You know that saying, if life gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's, that's ridiculous. I don't even follow that. So, if life gives you black bananas, what do you make? <laughs> black banana bread, I guess. <laughs> he says it was ripe, you know. There's going to come a time when it's just that way. And again, the, the con. Context for all this is that we, we, need to, we need to open our eyes and think about what is going on in the world around us. What is going on in our country? Spiritually, our country, it, it, it is, it's scary to think about what's going on. Just in the last, you know, four to six years, some of the movement that's taken place in our country, we have gotten so far off from this. And now it's, it's basically, you know, completely perpendicular to what God's standard is in many, many areas, in many, many ways very scary and you say well you know but we're a Christian nation and God will have mercy on us and God bless America I don't know about that there's going to come a time he says the the fruit is ripe and finally let's finish up uh, in verses 11 and 12 of chapter 8, and I'm, I'm reading over a lot. Of, you can go back and read all these things. In Amos, the rest of Amos chapter 8, he talks about judgment that was coming because they mistreated the poor and needy. They, they were greedy. They were dishonest. But look at verse 11 and 12. This is probably the worst of it, I think, that came out of it. The days are coming, declares the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine through the land, not a famine of food or a thirst for water, but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. Men will stagger from sea to sea and wander from north to east searching for the word of the Lord, but they will not find it. Why? You say, well, God doesn't want to, God want to keep speaking. Doesn't he want us to hear? Yeah, but they wouldn't listen to him. If you reject his word, you reject his standard until at some point he says, he, okay, well, I'm tired of, you say, you say that to your kids, I'm tired of telling you this. You know, you ever say that to your kids? Mm-hmm. I've said this to you. How many times do I have to say this to you? Then you say it again. <laughs> but there comes a point in time rejecting God's word until he holds it back. And the NIVS, NIVSB said, he call, they called it the awful silence of God. When, when heaven is silent because we've, we've just turned away from Him. The silence of God. It's happened before. It can happen again. In the days of Samuel, the prophet, it said uh, in 1 Samuel 3, it says, the boy Samuel, he was just a boy, he said he ministered or served before the Lord under Eli, the priest, and it says, in those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. It was a day when, you know, there was no... God, they weren't hearing from God. You know, we can go so far away from God, and then we say, I wonder why I don't hear from God anymore. I wonder why, you know, I don't sense His presence. I wonder why it's like God's not in my life. Well, it might have something to do with the direction that we have taken. Personally, and as a a country, as a group of people, as a fellowship even. In the days of King Asa, it said, For a long time Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach him, without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. If, if our nation, if our country would turn back to him, he would pour out, I think, his blessing, his love, his peace. His but will we? We need to pray. Uh, Dave mentioned it, praying for leaders. He prayed about that in his prayer. In the scripture he read, you know, pray for our country. Pray for our president. Despite the things that they've done and the decisions that they've made that are just so scary, pray for them. Pray that they would turn. I want to close with 2 Timothy chapter 4. Why don't we turn there and we'll, we'll close. I am moving along very quickly today, but that's okay, right? Are you with me? Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to read the first uh, four verses. Because this pretty much sums a lot of what I've been saying up. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word, he says to Timothy. And notice, uh, just look back for a second to chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. The verses I quoted were about the scripture. God breathed what I just quoted to you at the very beginning. But look at chapter 4, verse 3, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine, instead to suit their own desires themselves. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work, of an evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. I've seen that in my lifetime where people just want to hear stories. People just want to hear, make me feel good. Gotten away from the word of God, preaching the word into just all kinds of psychobabble, they call it. You know what psychobabble is? I don't know. Psychobabble, it just sounds like an interesting word. and go into all sorts of different stuff. But, but we leave the standard, the plumb line. Jesus Christ, the Word of God. That's what we need to keep our lives on. One man said this, Biblical faith is never a truly comfortable faith. For it calls us to constantly examine our lives and our society. Biblical faith is radical. We have to constantly examine our faith. Our lives and our society according to the biblical standard, the, the plumb line, the word of God. I'm going to keep this. Maybe not right here. Because uh, actually, look at that. I'm, I'm not even tall enough to hit it. So I'm, I'm cool. <laughs> but some of you are a little taller than me and you're going to have a little problem with this. Well, actually, you may not. I'm going to keep it there for a little while. But I'm going to keep it somewhere here in the sanctuary because, because it, it just is such a picture, isn't it? the plumb line of God. Let's pray.